0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Impulsive overeater and a sugar addict I always hated saying that when I first started away because it sounded so negative, like, Oh, I'm doing a self-fulfilling prophecy or something. Like I tried a bunch of other um, titles on like an aspiring healthy eater, an emotional overeater, a food addict. But, um, when it comes down to it, that one just makes sense. (laughs) It uh, really describes what I am. Um, Ever since I can remember, I've had a strong drive to eat. I like to think of it now as a particularly honed and evolved survival instinct. But for many years, it has baffled me and shamed me. Um, My mom once apologized to me when I was an adult for mixing my cereal and formula in a bottle when I was a baby, instead of feeding them to me separately, because she thought that that might have contributed to my weight problem. I was her third baby in three years and she was 24 years old. So she had to become a master at multitasking. I thought it was really funny at the time that she said that, like, are you kidding? Like, how is that gonna make a difference in my life? but interestingly enough, learning more about sugar and what they put in baby formula, it uh, I know that it definitely doesn't set up an infant for optimal health, but I'm sure that the societal pressures about looks and weight are more, were much more damaging in the long run. So when I was a kid, I had three sisters. I still have three sisters. Uh, my mom was taking classes at the community college when I was young and she took a class on nutrition which in which she learned that sugar was bad for you so our whole family was sugar-free for many years we weren't allowed to have any sugar but we were allowed to have uh carob and honey those were like considered healthier foods back then I don't think they would be considered that now um and When I was in first grade, like she brought special food for me at birthday parties. So everyone would be having their cupcakes or their donuts and I would have my food stick, which is like a little sweet thing that I liked. It was kind of, um, I guess a new age, um, you know, healthy for you, but a little bit sweet food. And then in second grade, I remember stealing the um, cinnamon raisin English muffins from the upper cupboard where my mom just kept them for my dad. Um, And I rode my bike around the block and ate it. (laughs) I told my mom that story later and she was so sad. She's like, it wasn't even toasted or buttered or anything. But that kind of is like, how, like, it's just an example of how this, how I related to food. Um, My sister and I stole the decorative candy canes off the Christmas tree. I don't even, to this day, I don't even like candy canes, but, um, you know, they had sugar in them, so let's do it. I remember once when I was a kid waking up in the middle of the night and I had had a nightmare and my mom and my dad were both there comforting me and my mom brought me sliced apples to eat in the middle of the night. And I thought that was so weird. Like, why would I want sliced apples? But I later found out that she was a night eater and she was doing what she could to, to comfort me or what would comfort her. And I think that's so sweet looking back on it. Um, a, I remember when I was in fourth grade, I was at a friend's house and she, they had a candy drawer in their house. And I was like, What? How can that be? Like, wouldn't you just eat everything right away? And they're like, oh no, we barely even notice it's there. And I'm like, oh, that would not be me at all. Um, Many of my friends have told me that they think that being deprived of sweets as a kid might be why I crave sweets so much now, but that doesn't actually really ring true for me. Knowing what I know now about sugar, I'm really glad that my mom kept us sugar-free for so many years. Um, my mom and dad split up when I was in fifth grade and my sisters and I basically took over a lot of care of ourselves. My oldest sister would drive to the store and we would all do the shopping. We knew we weren't allowed to get anything too processed or sugary, but I made do with plenty of other carby pseudo healthy foods. Um, And then eventually, as my parents were occupied with other things, we were allowed to buy more and more sugary processed foods. We were allowed to bake. Um, So I always had a stocky frame in a world where willowy was the ideal. And in seventh grade, I went on my first diet. I took dexatrim pills that I bought at the grocery store on one of our unsupervised trips and then I basically just didn't eat for a couple of days. <laughs> and I got sick at school. The school called my dad and he was like, that's stupid. Why'd you do that? <laughs> and it was like so logical. I'm like, well, obviously I wanted, I wanted to lose weight. Um, I learned later that my dad always worked really hard to control his weight also, and he almost lost his military pilot's license because he was overweight and he had high blood pressure. So it was important to him and knowing things about my parents as an adult has really helped me uh, put things in perspective and not do any blaming whatsoever Uh, My dad's mom was also very large in the days when it was rare to see large people. And I think he was worried that his daughters would get large and have a harder life because of it. But because of that, I felt like there was a lot of. um, um, He he looked at us a lot like, oh, don't do that. Don't eat eat that don't get fat um in eighth grade i went on the beverly hills diet with a full approval from my dad i lost a lot of weight and i got tons of compliments um from you know all around grown-ups kids and that it made me feel really uncomfortable and vulnerable i gained it all back very quickly and then some and that started a most unfortunate cycle that has stayed with me in some form or another my whole life Um, High school turned into diet after diet running at 6am before school started the fruit until noon diet, South Beach diet, the grapefruit diet. Finally, I found Weight Watchers, which I think was an improvement over the fad diets and I did that on and off for many years. Every time I lost weight, I swore I would never gain it back. Then something would trigger me and it seemed as though I would go into a fugue state and gain all the way back with a few extra pounds to spare. Um, I always felt out of control and desperately wanted to be able to control my eating and control my weight. I was very uncomfortable in my body, even when I was thin. Um, I wanted but didn't want attention. I was really grateful for the times when I was thin because I was able to do a lot of fun things that in those days I probably wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, such as I was in a dance troupe. I was a cheerleader. I worked at Club Med for a summer. I was in a community theater production. And so even though I couldn't understand why I couldn't eat like a normal person, in general, I had a great and happy life with a lot going for me, including a very loving family with with three loyal and very supportive sisters. Um, I continued going up and down in college. I hit a new high in graduate school due to stress eating. I had a steady-ish though not ideal weight after I graduated and had gone back to Weight Watchers. Um, I dieted successfully to look great in my wedding dress, but I couldn't keep it off. Um, pregnancy, I hit a new high, I gained 50 pounds, even though the doctors like you are gaining too much weight at every single appointment. And, you know, that's pretty much the story of my life at every doctor's appointment, like lose weight, lose weight. Um, But then after I had my first baby, I just kind of stayed there, like all the pregnancy weights stayed on. Um, And I was too busy to diet. I was like, my kids come first, that's what it's going to be. Um, when my kids were a little bit older, I went back to, uh, I mean, I would call it yo-yo dieting, although it was really more like I was eating either eating healthfully or then I was eating everything in sight. So my weight was basically never steady. It was up and down. Um, when I hit my forties, I realized that I had some sort of eating disorder. Um, you know, it wasn't anything that I had heard about in terms of bulimia or anorexia, but just gaining and losing weight, like, you know, 25 times in my life and significant amounts of weight just seemed very um, disordered to me. So I started to seek help. I went to a weight loss therapy therapist. Um, I searched for support groups. There were surprisingly few in my area. All of them had to do with some sort of eating plan which I knew I didn't want. I had researched eating um, so much. I learned so much about eating that I knew that I wanted to eat my own foods and not eat some processed foods in some pay and uh, package and pay uh, program. Um, so, but I, I, I knew that I was really good at taking it off, but it got harder. And also I think my sugar addiction was getting worse and worse. So I would eat stuff for breakfast that most people would consider hardcore dessert items. My husband once joked that my diet was 60% sugar, but I'm sure it was much higher than that. Mm. Um, I will, uh, say a bit about my husband right now, because, when i first got abstinent and we were at a usual restaurant and we were having our usual stuff and we were going to order our usually our usual dessert i said you know could we please not order that you know like i don't want to sit at a table and watch you eat that that will be torture for me um and he just couldn't understand he's like why can't you have just a little bit i don't understand i'm like me neither like i wish i understood and i wish that i could have just a little bit but that's not how my system works um and that was the only time that he really kind of resisted or um made a comment he's always been incredibly supportive i mean since i've known him i've been 60 pounds heavier you know like up and down a 60 pound range and he's always like, You're awesome the way you are. And that has really helped me be more accepting of myself and my body. Um, oh, sorry, somebody's trying to call me. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, Sorry, that was my daughter. Um, should have turned that off. Uh, okay, so. I, then after, after that, I um, read a happiness study that said that only 10% of your happiness is determined by your circumstances. And after that, I decided to forget about my weight and forget about my eating and just be in the world. And I immediately gained about 25 pounds. <laughs> I decided that I was not happy or healthy at that weight. And then I reinvestigated weight loss support groups. I found one online that was run by a therapist, but when I called her, she said that she was no longer doing the group, but I could make an individual appointment. So I did. And she told me to try OA and I had thought, and I thought, oh no, sorry, that's not for me. It's very religious and they eat they say not to eat flour and sugar. And, you know, honestly, I'd probably rather die. Like I'm not going to go through the rest of my life, not eating flour and sugar. And she said, one, they're not religious. And two, you can eat what you want. So go. So I'm like, okay, fine. I told her I would go to two meetings. Um, and then during my first meeting, it was an absolute revelation. I was so um. I was incredulous to hear people talking about things that I had felt my whole life and that I thought were my own special demons. Um, And then there was a very helpful woman there who explained the program to me in flexible terms. She had mentioned that there was one woman who said that she ate a Snickers bar every day for a year. And that was her abstinence. I'm like, okay, well, I can get behind that. (laughs) Um, But after, and she asked me a few questions, which were helpful, like, you know, what are you going to do after this meeting? And, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going straight to that place where I usually get that thing. And so that was kind of um, also a revelation to me, like, okay, maybe I really do have a a problem. That's not just about yo-yo dieting. So after a week of thinking about it and eating a lot of my goodbye foods, I decided to try giving up sugar and flour. Um, And then for the first few days, I had no idea what to eat because I had been eating very few foods without sugar or flour. Um, Every time I thought of a food to eat, I realized that it had sugar or flour in it. But desperation got me through and I slowly learned what to eat through experimentation and ideas from others. I stayed abstinent for over a year. Uh, After that, I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I went to at least three meetings a week. I was very grateful to have found OA. At the same time, I had to suspend disbelief in many areas, so it wasn't the perfect fit. My main hang-up was that I didn't believe that a higher power could help me with my eating, and if there was One who could do that. I would really rather they spend energy on bigger world problems. I I also had a hard time with the verbiage in the 12 and 12 workbook I was using. I filled out the whole workbook, but it seemed so negative and accusatory. And I really wanted a more loving and positive approach. My sponsor was a lovely human who was very accepting, but she strongly believed that I needed to have some form of higher power. So I tried. Um, The higher powers I've tried are love, sense of purpose, harmony in the universe, universal flow, but none really felt connected to my eating. Uh, What has helped is knowing that my habit loops have been, in a sense, acting as a higher power. And I've been looking for ways to guide those in different directions, using OA tools, meetings, groups, strategies, uh, mindfulness, resources from studies, and experts in the field of food addiction have been really helpful. My training in mindfulness allows me to see the stories that I tell myself and my habit loops earlier and be more accepting of them. I'm getting better at not turning negative thoughts into a story such as, I will never have a normal relationship with food, or I will always you know, be a failure when it comes to my weight. I'm getting better at seeing it, letting it go and continuing life as it is. My action plan now includes weighing and measuring food. And I know, um, that a lot of people find that too restrictive, but I find it freeing because then I just know exactly what it is. I have a hard time knowing how much food is right for me. And so if I weigh and measure it, then you know, 30 minutes after my meal, I'm like, oh yeah, I hit it. I hit the goal. That's exactly, I feel exactly right. Not too full, not too um, empty. I eat no sugar or uh, no sugar that I know of like, I know sometimes in salad dressings, when I go out to to eat, it's in there. Um, Very little flour. I exercise every day. Uh, I walk every evening. I listen to podcasts. I have a recovery circle that's a smaller group of OA people where we have special topics. I go to um, lots of meetings. I do writing, which is my most helpful tool because when I want to eat, I start writing, why do I want to eat and then usually after the third sentence, it comes out um, and I and I really enjoy reading literature about food and addiction. so I would say that my spiritual addic- uh, spiritual awakening is kind of um a deep knowing and mostly accepting that i came to believe that sugar and to a lesser extent flour were truly bad for my health health because i i think i never really believed that before i believe that they were saying, again 2, it two, two five minutes left no 2 i oh, did 2 minutes I did a while ago but i don't think you heard me love oh so sorry two. yeah no i didn't hear you okay um so Knowing how sugar is processed in the liver. It's not just an empty calorie that has really been helpful for me. Just experiencing the miracle biologically of what it feels like in my body, not to eat sugar and flour is very motivating. Um, When I'm in the food, I'm just not as happy and I'm not as useful in life. I still think about food way more than I would like to. I chalk that up to my survival instinct. Uh, You know, my ancestors were the ones whose brains and bodies allowed them to survive by focusing on food. Uh, Sayings that I like. Uh, You crave what you eat. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, if I eat that, then I'm going to crave that. Sometimes I crave broccoli or spinach for breakfast when in the past it was always sugar. Even if I knew if set me up for a crap, crappy day, I still say to myself, God grant me the serenity, even though I don't believe in God because it's just something I learned in my uh, traditional OA groups. um, And it helps me. And um, I'm, What I'm grateful for, I'm really grateful that I found Secular OA. I'm grateful that, so I try not to think of food addiction as all bad. I'm grateful that it helped me start an exercise habit young, and it's a lifelong habit. It made me never drink alcohol because I would much rather spend the calories on food. Um, It made me deeply introspective, like trying to figure out what the heck is wrong with me. And it gave me a knowledge of human motivation and behavior, understanding of others. I'm much more compassionate. It helped me feel safe in unsafe times, such as my many moves, my parents' divorce. 20 minutes. end up and then um also someone asked me this other day like maybe you got your act together so much in the rest of your life to compensate for not having it together with eating so I'm going to go with that and then also I've been very grateful for the group for all of you and I wish us all peace with food and then I pass thanks for listening